So this morning, I want to share just for a little bit, then I do want to introduce you to, to Ben, uh, and then we do want to uh, interview someone else from our church family, just trying to uh, look at, continue what we started last week, um, and exploring what it looks like to just love God and serve people in different ways. And so for those who weren't here last week, I'll just give you a very quick recap. Can we get our slides up, thanks? We're ready to go. Okay. And so um, last week I tried to explain that there is, there is no difference between living a spiritual life and living a secular life. Uh, the Bible and its authors, they all make it very clear that all of our life is spiritual. That it's not just our Sundays that matter to God. It's not just what we do on a Sunday that matters to God. Actually, what we do on a Monday also matters to God. Who we are matters to Him. And what we do matters to Him. According to the Apostle Peter, he says that we are all priests. We are all called to be conduits between heaven and earth. We are all called to represent Jesus to those around us. Peter says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, For you are a chosen people, you are royal priests. He's talking to you. You are a chosen person, a royal priest, a holy nation. You are very, God's very own possession. As a result, here we go, you can show others. What am I here to do? I am here to show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So in this, this morning, I want to revisit uh, that idea that we are called to show the goodness of God wherever we go to wherever God takes us. I want to look at that from maybe a little bit of a different perspective. And I do want to identify, I said this last week, that I'm leaning uh, heavily on some of the thoughts that is probably one of my favourite books that I've read. It's called Garden City by John Mark Comer. Who's got a chance to read or listen to that one yet? A few people are. Did you enjoy the book? Ken and, Ken and Michelle. Sorry. <laughs> Hello, Carol. Good to have you with us again. Um, and so uh, I, I do think it's one of my, my you know, I've got a few books in my life that are my favourites beyond the Bible, and this is one of them at the moment. So, um, uh, written by John Mark Comer, and it gives a helpful understanding of how God views and values work. Who likes work? And rest. Uh, if you read the book, and you're going to love work. You're going to you're going to love the concept of work. Anyway, great book. I cannot recommend it highly enough. And um, and so I encourage you grab a copy, have a read. Or for those who like listening to books, who's a listener, it's on Audible. If you need to get it on Audible. All right. So, got uh, a question for: Have you ever had an experience that leaves you speechless or in awe? In, uh, in 2011, I, uh, I was able to go to the US for a, a short trip, and in that trip I managed to go to Yosemite National Park. I know the landers have been there uh, just recently. Who else has been to Yosemite National Park? I tell you what, when I went there, you might, be able, you, you might relate to it the same that I did, or I, I, I hopped up, it was like a half day tour, so I wasn't there very long. But as I hopped off the bus, Staring at the, the, the rock face of El Capitan, which is a, a 1,000 meter sheer rock face in the middle of this uh, amazing valley, I just walked away from the bus, tears coming down my face, just in awe. 
of God's goodness. I don't know about you, but I, I, I just felt, I had to walk from the bus because I was crying. Because I was just so aware of God's goodness and God's nearness. I was just so aware of how beautiful and creative and powerful He was. I don't know about you guys, if it was a bit like that for you, it was just amazing. And so there's a number of times where, where I have those, I tell you what, on a Sunday morning I have those moments in worship. And today, you know, you, Jeremy, thank you team for doing that. But you know what, I, I walk away from church saying, what an amazing God. You're great, a good team. But, but what an amazing God. And, and so there's moments in my life where I'm just so mindful and just so aware that God is good. That God is with me. That God is near and God is available. And there's and there are other times when I hold a little baby. I, I look at these little ones and I go, God, you're amazing. I get, I get overwhelmed and I, and I sense God's goodness and I sense His presence. And I'm just lost in awe at this God that calls me a friend. John Mark Comer in his book, he suggests that this is what the scripture writers call being aware of God's glory. Being aware of God's glory. The Hebrew word for, for glory is the word kavod. And, uh, and that, time for my glasses on. And then the word kavod, it carries a, a, a meaning of weightiness. It carries an, an under, it is, when we talk about God's glory, or God's kavod, there is something significant about it. There's something great about it. Something, when we experience the glory of God, when we experience the magnificence and the, and the brilliance and the beauty and the power in, in, in worship or in Yosemite or, or when I was out at Carnarvon visiting friends in Western Australia and I go out and I look at the night sky and I go, God, you are just so amazing. There's this experience of God which is just so, uh, it causes me to stop and to praise Him. And the Hebrews call that, the, the word is kavod. Uh, a number of passages that you come across this in the Old Testament. One that you might be familiar with is after Solomon built the temple, uh, his temple, uh, and they dedicated it. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the offerings and the sacrifices and the glorious the kavod, the glorious presence of God, of the Lord, filled the temple. The priests couldn't enter the temple of the Lord because of the kavod, the presence, the glorious presence of God. And when all the people of Israel saw the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground. They worshipped and praised the Lord, saying what I almost said when I left the bus, that God is good. That His mercy endures forever. So, so here you've got a glimpse of, of what it looks like to come into an encounter with the kavod of God. The psalmist would write, The heavens proclaim the glory of God, and the skies display His craftsmanship. So you can see that this, this concept of the presence of God, yeah, we, we know that God is everywhere. But there is places where you do sense it in greater ways, you do experience it in greater ways. But God's presence is not limited to Yosemite or Carnarvon or Highfields or worship or the temple. 
God's presence is not limited to anything. His, his realness, His goodness, his, his presence is everywhere. It's at church on Sundays, it's at the gym on Mondays, it's at, at Woolies on Wednesday, it's at, on, the, on the running track uh, at Blackbird on Thursday, it's, 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 it's at Merryweather Bards on Thursday. Yeah, God's presence is everywhere. His, 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 the ability for us to see Him and experience Him is not limited to the hour and a half in whatever church you find yourself in. The prophet Habakkuk writes of a time yet to come. He would say, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. Habakkuk is looking into the future, and we're not there yet, but he's saying one day, everyone will be aware of God's glorious presence. But we're not there yet. And I know you know that. Because maybe people in your family or at school or at work, or they're just, they're just doing life fully unaware that God is in the middle of it. Or maybe they've been blinded. Maybe the enemy or busyness or circumstances have blinded them to, to, to see God's goodness in the everyday. And so this is where we come into the story. Because I believe we have a part to play. Because we are called by God to live in such a way that we can show others. Remember what Peter told us? That we can show others the goodness of God. And so, so we're in this time between times when God's glory is revealed to, to, to those who have eyes to see. But for others, they're just not aware. And could it be that this is where we as the church, we as, as ambassadors and representatives of Jesus come into play? Uh, Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, says how we should live our lives. And he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, he says, So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's the word glory again. It's, a, it's the Greek word, but it carries very similar understanding of the glory and the magnitude and the, and the respect and honor and awe that is created by what we do. But if you look at what, what Paul says, he doesn't say here that it's, it's, it's we um, glorify God when we worship on a Sunday. He's not, if you look at it, it's fairly ordinary things that Paul saying glorifies God. It's whether we eat or drink. In fact, whatever we do, the everyday, the ordinary, the, the plain, the shopping, the, 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 the walking, the running, the, the talking, the working, Everything we do, we can do it for the glory of God. So, so how do we do this? And this is where I want to sort of, in a moment, transition to have a bit of a conversation with some others. But how do we glorify God in everything we do? Now, for some of us, it's probably, it makes a bit more sense. As a pastor, or an RE teacher, or a missionary, or a chaplain... Or, or, or a parent raising their kids to love the Lord. Uh, and in some ways we can see that makes sense. Mark can do that because he's, he's talking about Jesus. He's, he's honoring Jesus or a worship leader. It makes sense we can do those things for the glory of God. But what about if I'm a mechanic or a, an accountant or an auditor or a nurse or a, or a daycare worker or a cleaner or, or a student? How can I glorify God or a barista, how can I glorify God with what I do? Genesis tells us in the verse up there that we are um, created in the image of God. True? 
We are created in His image and His likeness. And our job is to represent God to the world that we live in. That we live in. We are called to show the world around us what God, who God is, and what He is like. So here's some practical things. If you're wondering how can I work and study and go and live life with others, how can I glorify God in that? Here's some ideas. Number one, God is creative. So, so you may not be able to create the world. Anyone able to? No, none of us. Okay. But, but you can create. You can create environments for people to flourish. You can create families. You can create stories that, that, that honour people and lift people up and speak and declare the value of them and life over them. Acceptance. God is also a hard worker. We know that. And so, so what does that mean for us? Well, how does that, well, maybe we could turn up on time for work or we could turn up early or we could stay late or we could have a good attitude. There's, there's things that we can do in our workplace that reflect that God is a hard worker. We know God is compassionate and, and generous. Whether you're an employer with your employees or with your colleagues or friends, you can be compassionate toward them. You can be kind toward them. You can, with your friends at school, you can be generous and caring and loving. God is joyful. So instead of when everyone else is complaining about the boss or the teacher or the subject, you can be, you can be encouraging, you can be life-giving, you can, you, you can be different to the others. God is honest and true. So we can live lives of integrity as a, as a business person or, or how we do our taxes or whatever it is, we can have be integrous in how we do our life. I mean, I could, I could go on. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. You, you, you know these, these, these verses that how can we reflect you know, the, God in what we do? Could, could, it, could it be if we can live this kind of life Whatever job, doesn't matter. Whatever career, doesn't matter. Whatever subject or you're studying at uni, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're a, a, a mum to a newborn or you're a grandparent uh, of, of adult kids. It doesn't matter where God places your stage in life. Could it be that, that what we do as work or, or how we... If we can live like that, if we can live like that, could it be that people will get a glimpse of God in us? Could it be that as we live lives that, that reflect Him and His character and His nature, could it be that people get a glimpse of Jesus in us? And could it be then that people at school or work or the gym class or the coffee shop or your running group or at the uh, wherever you may go will notice that we are cut from a different cloth? What if we were different to others? And we were humble and gentle and kind and loving and all those things. What if people could become aware of Jesus, who Jesus is, because of who we are? Do you think that would make a difference? Do you? Do you, do you think that would make a difference? If, if we could live that, that kind of life and people look at us, do you reckon that would make a difference on over them? I think that would. I believe that we are living in a world that is desperate for hope. And life, and could it be that you and I can be difference makers? You don't need to be standing at the church with a microphone, or on a pulpit, or a mission on the mission field. That you can make a difference whether you're a stay-at-home mum, whether you're a grandmother, whether you are a pastor. It doesn't matter. It's all significant. You can glorify God in what you do. All right. I'm going to now transition here. 
I'm going to ask, no, just, this says chairs can stay down for the moment, they'll be up in a minute. Um, so I want you to hold some of those thoughts in mind because I really believe that the world we live in is desperately in need of hope. The people around you at work or school, they're desperately in need of hope and peace and that can only come through the troubled waters that, that, that we're referring to. That can only come through a faith in Jesus. His goodness and His kindness and the finished work what He did on the cross for us. So, um, last week I interviewed three people that have showed us how God can use them to bring life and hope to those around them. Through, through, through a homeschool group we talked about. We talked about, I uh, interviewed someone else working with uh, uh, disabilities and then loving people in that space and with aged care. Uh, and so I know there's, there's a whole heap of different ways our church is engaging, which is wonderful. Uh, but this morning I want to introduce two people. Um, one you may not know. Um, mind you, he may have made you a coffee. Um, the other one you likely will know. Um, but I'm going to get Ben Waters to come and uh, share for about, about 10, 15 minutes-ish. Uh, ben is the uh, SRE, appointed SRE teacher at Whitebridge High. And uh, it's been a challenge uh, historically before you um, took over. But I'm going to release you, unleash you, and you can share what God's laid on your heart for us this morning. And then I'll come up and then we'll bring the next person up. Well, thanks, Mark. It's a, it's a blessing to be here. I was already blessed this morning from you guys leading worship, so thank you. Um, when Mark invited me to, to come and share with you today, um, just about, I guess part of it is what is on my heart. And to get a bit of a sense of what is on my heart and the way that I'm seeking to go about living for the glory of God and whatever I do, whether in God, word or deed, I'm working for the glory of God. Um, to kind of get a bit of a sense of that, I, I want to take you back a little bit in a sense. I want to give you a bit of a sense of my backstory um, because it dramatically shapes my story now and how it is I'm seeking to be someone who, out of love for God and out of what He has done for me in the person of Christ, would share His heart in the communities that I'm so a bit of my story. I grew up in country New South Wales, a place called Cowra. I'm not sure if any of you know where Cowra is, out Central West. Yeah, right? Uh, so I grew up in Cowra, and I grew up in a, a family that had some kind of associations with church. But really, for me, in kind of that whole process of being with that family, like I, the message that I was constantly sent again and again and again was that Christianity is about being good enough. That's what I thought. That was kind of what was laid on me as I thought, like, grew up in these environments. And I wasn't a particularly ratty kid, but as I come up, came up into high school, I came to a point where I was actually saying to some of my friends, look, uh, I'm not a Christian because I'm not good enough. I'm not a Christian because I'm not good enough. And through God graciously, through the ministry of a combined church's youth group, um, called me to himself. Uh, through the ministry of this combined church's youth group, I heard the gospel after numerous times, but I heard the gospel and I realized that Christianity wasn't about being good enough, but it was about Jesus having done it all for me. That great verse in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ suffered the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. 
Now, after hearing that kind of verse and kind of reflecting on these, these, this gospel presentation, I was absolutely dumbstruck. I remember there, sitting up on the youth group stage, kind of like this with a great big curve right in front of me, sitting there with a friend of mine, just kind of being just bawling in tears because for me, the enormity of what God had done, here I was for years and years thinking Christianity was all about being good enough, meeting the standard, doing this, doing that, and kind of all this kind of do, 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 do. And then there for the first time, I understood that it was all about, it was done. It was done for me in Christ. And so kind of fast forward a little bit after being, being discipled in, in, the, in the church out of Cara, good old Carabaps. Um, after thinking about it and then eventually going to university, all the way in the back of my mind, I was thinking about what does it mean for me to serve for the glory of God? And so I kept on asking this question. I uh, went to university, and in my final year at university, I was at, got married, and I was in this church with my wife and I at the time, we were thinking about what does it mean for us to serve for the glory of God? And so for us, it was a whole question, and for me, it was a whole question, of, oh, do I go into pastoral ministry? And so after a period of time, when then we decided, yeah, so we, I was involved with a church plan on the Central Coast for a couple of years, then we went to Bible college, and I trained at Bible college for a while, and then I was in... Christian ministry for a couple of years. Now, this is kind of where the story changes. And it was probably the moment where it was the darkest moment for me in my life. After being married for 13 years, my marriage fell apart. I was in Christian ministry for about 10 years. And that was a real low to the point that I actually contemplated suicide. I had three kids at the time with my wife, at the time, and things completely just shattered. My world just blew apart. I said, what do you do with that? And it devastated my faith to the point that I actually walked away from Jesus. My, I was no longer in ministry, my marriage had fallen apart. I was kind of in this really turbulent, horrific time in terms of trying to reconcile with my wife, things not going well in that regard, trying to sort out to see my kids. I had three kids at that stage. And it was really horrific and traumatic for me. And I walked away. But thanks be to God for his goodness, as we've been reminded again this morning. After a period of time, I actually moved from Sydney up to here to help my sister move from one place to, from Blacksmith to, to Taralba. And when I was in Taralba helping her move, I basically just kind of moved in with my sister and her two kids and kind of stayed up here. So, and then because I had a food science background before I went to ministry and served in ministry, I was a food scientist. I had a food science background and so I kind of did this barista course because I always loved coffee always loved kind of the science behind it. So I did a barista course and lo and behold, after doing the barista course, I ended up at Peg's Cafe at Whitebridge. Yeah. So this is where some of you may know me from if you've seen my face before. Right, so I was at Peg's Cafe at Whitebridge for about six years. But after kind of initially standing there and kind of throwing myself into work and having walked away from, from God, in his goodness and his mercy, he led me after a period of time of being up here to kind of feel like, oh, actually, I think I might want to get back into church. I think I might want to kind of re-engage with some of this God stuff. 
And so I ended up at Warners Bay Baptist Church um, in their evening service. I was kind of throwing myself into work just to kind of deal with life, kind of numb the pain, numb everything else. Just kind of throwing myself neat, like as much as I could into work, focusing on that. Come along to this service at Warners Bay Baptist Church. Been the first time I'd been in church for a long time, having walked away, walk in, sit down, kind of very gingerly, kind of very nervous and really hard to kind of be in that space again. And I'm sitting there and there's this small community of people just sitting there, kind of chatting away. It's a very, very simple service. There wasn't any music or anything like that. Someone just kind of led some prayers. Someone led them communion. And the person who was rostered on to speak that night couldn't appear. And so the senior pastor had to get up and preach. And this is one of those moments where you sit down and go, that is a word from God for you right now. As I sat down and as the, the pastor opened up the scriptures, he opens up the scriptures from Luke 15 and the prodigal son. And the father who welcomes the son home about God's gracious love and concern for this child who was far off but had been brought near. Now I just lost it again. <laughs> and that was a word for me at that moment. And so God has called me back to himself. And so throughout that whole period of that trauma and that pain, as I reflect on it, for me, even though I had let go of God and I had kind of walked away from God, God in His gracious and goodness had never let go of me. And that was a tremendous blessing. And so, for me, as I kind of sit back and realize and reflect on who I am and the, the, where I am in God's story, I realize my own brokenness. I realize my own fallenness. I realize the trauma that I carry because of my experiences of where I've been. And so the question for me is I started asking as a being kind of established back into Waters Bay Baptist Church and as over a period of time kind of starting to get opportunities to serve again and do different things within the context of the church and then I, I met my now wife there and uh, God in His graciousness has given us a, another baby. So I have four children, four girls, ranging from 12 to 18 months. Um, and they are a tremendous blessing. But even in that space, it's like, how, how do I actually live for the glory of God? How do I work for the glory of God? God, why, what do you have for me here? And I kept on asking that question, even while I was at Peggs. And Lyndon and I, the senior pastor at Waters Bay Baptist, we would have this conversation. And I'm asking this question, what God do you have for me here at Peg? Why is it that I am here as a barista serving coffee? I love that it to a point, there's a whole sense of here I am, I'm just serving people, kind of being creative, being friendly, kind of chatting away with people, trying to do the little love hearts and little rosettes and all those kind of different things, right? Um, and sometimes failing miserably and other times going okay, right? Um, but just trying to be loving to people and serving people, right? And then even in those spaces, you're kind of having these conversations with people, getting to know people, building relationships with people over a period of time. 
and at different points, just even offering to pray for people for different hardships that they're going through. I mean, had that experience. I, I still work as a barista a couple of days a week in town, and even just in this last week, someone kind of coming and just being really down and kind of tired and weary because six months ago, her husband had a stroke and she was heading off to share with her husband lunch. And I just sat there and kind of like while I'm making coffees for her and kind of think, oh, you look really weary. So your name is Julie. What's your husband's name? Okay, would you mind if I actually prayed for you by name? For you and your husband as you kind of go, Okay, sure, okay. So I wrote her name down and I've got her, her name on the back of her kind of the ticket from the, the coffee machine to the, the latte or something that I made for her. I wrote her husband's name down and her name down and I kind of sit that in my phone just so I can pray for her kind of on a regular basis just for what she's going through. But then as I continue to ask that question, what is it that you would have me do, God? How can I serve for the glory of God? How can your heart shape my heart? It's given me a passion for being able to share Jesus within the context of SRE and being able to open up the scriptures for people who are hurting. Because I'm not sure if you really kind of are aware of it in the sense that but our school communities are hurting communities. Our school communities are lost communities. I teach SRE in three high schools with two boards. Waters Bay Christian Education Association, I teach at Glendale Technology High School and Cardiff High School. And with the Charlestown Christian Education Association, I teach at Waters Bay, uh, sorry, at Whitebridge High School. So I've just started there and, and it's, quite frankly, it's really tough. It's really hard. We've had a lot of opposition to getting scripture into that school. And there's a lot of opposition against Christian themes and the gospel in those schools. And so trying to communicate the love of God to people who are hurting and broken is really the heart that I have in that space. I want to try and communicate something of God's love and generosity and welcoming nature to these kids who are desperately broken. And I want to communicate that from a place of brokenness myself. Because for me, I have realized and known and have been transformed by God's love. His heart has changed my heart. His love for the brokenness is my passion. I want to help thee communicate something of God's love to people who are broken. And I love this picture in Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 as this picture of God as the good shepherd who longs to seek out his sheep, right? Ezekiel 34 says this from verse 15. It says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make my sheep lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. This picture of a good shepherd who goes out and lovingly cares for those who are injured and broken and hurting. And we get that fulfilled in the Lord Jesus himself as the good shepherd who comes that we would have life and have it to the full. This Jesus who comes as the good shepherd to lay down his life for us as the sheep. 
And so that's my passion. My passion is to communicate something of that love. And it's striking because it's funny. And I was, Mark and I were talking uh, a few weeks back in terms of why is it like, why is it, like, I was asking this question, why God have you had me at Peck's Cafe for these last six years? Or even now at Take Me Away Cafe in, at the junction, uh, where I see another regular here. Why is it that you have me in these places? The funny thing is, every single school that I go to, someone goes, you're that guy from Pigs. <laughs> you're that guy from Tango. What are you doing here? Oh, I'm here as the SRE teacher. Oh, what's that? I get to teach the Bible to kids and understand, help them understand who Jesus is. Oh, okay, okay, right. And so I've had these conversations with teachers that I've built relationship with for over six years, kind of coming in, walking past the, the room that I'm in and going, oh, and then coming in and having a chat and going, oh, so what are you doing here? Oh, yes, I read to you. Oh, okay, it's fun. And it, it's been really surprising that it's actually opened some doors for conversations in being able to share Jesus in those spaces. And so that's my heart. As the SRE teacher at Waters Bay, at Whitebridge High School, I want to communicate something of the healing, restoration, and the good news that Jesus has for us, for people who are broken. And so, I don't know, whether, I've got a couple of things. One of the things that the, the reality of that is because it's hard and because it is difficult and it really is a spiritual battle as we go into those spaces. It is a place that needs lots of prayer. And so um, I'm going to put, I don't know, I'll put this up on the back. I've got a, a, a list. If you would like to support me in terms of praying, one of the things that I do is every fortnight when I go into Whitebridge High School, I actually send out a prayer letter. Um, so that I can go, this is what I'm doing at Whitebridge High today. Can you please pray for me? Because I really need that support in going into that space and place because there is opposition to the gospel. And it is tough. There are times where I come away discouraged. There are times where I come away going, what am I doing here? But my call is to be faithful in that space to share Jesus. And so I want to be able to do that. Um, so I've got some prayer cards, and if you want to sign up for that, please, I would be super encouraged by that. So, Mark, I think that's all I have to share for the moment. So, So in terms of the, the school community, there's yeah. anywhere between seven and 800, Mel? Is that, you think about seven to 800 kids at Whitebridge High School? Yeah, close to a thousand. Yeah, close to a thousand, and about 120 staff. Okay, and so uh, how many kids come through the doors of your SRE class? I started off the year with eight in my class. Um, it has now dwindled down to two, um, which is really discouraging, like the way you've kind of had that space where um, people are kind of continuing to opt out. And, and the whole nature of SRE is it is an opt-in subject, it's not an opt-out subject like it used to be. So things have changed in that regard. Um, but one of the things that I've kind of 
doing and trying to labour to do is to kind of partner in connecting into some of those primary schools that feed into Whitebridge High School so that we can kind of raise the awareness of SRE for, uh, for high school and kind of increase those numbers. Not just from a kind of purely numbers point of view, but just from a point of view, we, we want to love on these school communities as best we can, so more and more people being in this SRE program, the better. So, so I raised the number question, not at all to provide any element of success, we, yeah, yeah. we measured the wrong way, so, yeah. but uh, it just shows us the need that, that exists in a community, and that is in de deficit of, of the love of Jesus. You know, or even the Christian kids that are probably in the schools that are just afraid, unsure to put their hand up and join. So um, that's, we're going to pray in, in about five, ten minutes for, for Ben. So give him a big hand as he takes a seat. <laughs> and I'm going to invite Mel Myers to join me for five, six minutes. Um, and she's going to tell us what she does in case you don't know. And Samson's likely going to join us as well. Hey, buddy. Where's the other one? Can you just grab that microphone? Yep, and grab a seat. Everyone knows Mel. If you don't, if you don't if you may not know Mel, this is Mel. Hi, Mel. And um, she's also my other heckler in church. So I've got a couple of hecklers. Stuart was one, and uh, Mel's the other. Uncle Jeremy, you're on duty. Hey, so just, just very quickly, for those who, and this won't take us long, um, tell us what you do for work. Don't tell me, tell me. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm the canteen manager at Whiteridge High. I've been there 15 years. Okay. And so what does that involve? So each day we um, uh, prep food and make dishes and for recess and lunch for nearly a thousand kids. <laughs> Not a thousand every day. Probably said about six to seven hundred another day. And, and so in that space, 15 years, you see a number of generations go through. Yeah. What type of needs and situations do you come across? Um, lots. <laughs> um, I, I didn't actually see it as my ministry um, until probably about five or six years ago. Um, I never wanted to work with youth, or I'm not really a great cook, I don't really like to cook, but that's where I am. <laughs> so I took note of why I was there, and um, what was the question? Uh, what needs and situations <laughs> have you witnessed or seen? Right, so once I realised, yeah, once I realised it was my ministry, then I sort of um, became more aware of why I was there. and. Um, so then I could see the needs that were starting to come forth and um, there's a lot of kids there that, that are from broken homes, um, that don't have places to sleep on a daily basis. Um, I've talked with quite a few who, who like the trampoline of a night time underneath the trampoline is a good spot out of the weather. Um, kids who are hungry all the time, kids that don't have don't have um, proper school uniforms and um, that then isolates them as well, those sort of situations. You can come up. Come on up, Sam. Come in there. What number do you have to do? Does it mean to you? <laughs> 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 okay, okay, so... 
to tell that he asked the question, how in that space, as a while ago you stopped seeing yourself as the canteen lady, um, how, how do you feel you can minister or, or glorify God? I know you told me a story a little while ago, which I yeah. think is amazing. Can you share that story? Yeah, so the reason that I think I've seen it, um, stop seeing, uh, seeing it as my ministry, I got involved in the prophetic, and I could see that by using that school skill with the kids, and like they don't know, they don't have an idea of what I'm what I'm doing because you know sometimes I only get 10, 20 seconds per serve, um, so I get a chance to give them encouragement words. Um, let them know it's okay, let them know that if they're hungry they can always come down to me and they don't have to line up, they don't have to put themselves in a position where they're seen to be that kid at school that's in need or needs welfare or anything. So um, um, there was one girl that um, a few years ago at school, I just noticed that she was always um, very sad, she, you know, she's always sad, her hair would hang in her face and she couldn't make eye contact or talk loud sort of thing and we need to hear them and we get quite busy and loud down the canteen. So one day I just reached out and put her hair behind her ears <laughs> and I just said, oh wow, that's great, now I can see your beautiful eyes. And it wasn't a full smile but it was starting to get there and then over the time I noticed she would always line up in my line and she would be putting her hair behind her own ears and, you know, she was standing straight as she was as bright as she would smile, she would, you know, she just seemed to, the light in her seemed to come back. And then she just finished year 12 this year, come in Nana, and she stood up on stage and was awarded an award. Um, I'm not sure which one, but she was awarded a award and um, she stood up there with so much confidence and her hair pulled back and and just a beautiful smile on her face and I just, it was really emotional actually, I was just so proud. Yeah, I was extremely proud and just loved it, I just loved it so much, you know, that, and I just loved that I was able to share and be part of that through God. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that, that sums it up, you know, that you can, no matter what you're doing, you can speak life, you can, you can, you can encourage, you can, Definitely. in 20 seconds or 20 minutes or 20 years, yeah. that God can use you to, yeah. to, 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 to speak life yeah. and to encourage and yeah. lift someone up. And just on Friday, I had a, another boy. We have um, a couple of special ed units on our grounds and, and they love to come down to the canteen and get to know them a bit. And I had a boy come up on Friday and I could see him at the back and he was looking for me. And, um, so I called him down and um, he lost his bunny that had died on the Thursday night and he was just emotionally crying and upset and he just wanted to tell me. So just to, you know, and you just have to just touch him on the elbow or something just to let them know that it's okay and gives them a lot of encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. So um, look, I think, I, I, won't, I mean, as you can see, what you do matters. Yeah. It glorifies God whether you're... Uh, and you put it in a, in a where you, you can talk about Jesus as a SRE teacher or whether you probably can't talk about Jesus. I think it's wonderful to see that you're able to bring that and that's, that's I just want to affirm and encourage you in that, that what, you do, what you're doing is significant. Uh, it's significant for those lives and it's significant to, to partner with, with Ben and to, to partner with the other Christians that are hidden or unsure, you know, that you guys can encourage and that's brilliant. So, wonderful.
I have a, also had a lot of contact with teachers who <laughs> come in, you know, with, um, I guess they find there's nowhere else for them to go. So yeah. um, they come down to the office, down to I can in a bit. So um, I deal with a lot of them as well. And I know you'd love to have a chat, so I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So uh, look, I think that's probably good for now. So uh, what I'd like you to do, I'd love to just get Ben up again. I'd like to just to pray for you guys. Mm -hmm. Then I've got two minutes of things I'm going to share and then we'll be done by 11. Awesome. So, Thanks, um, Mark. Thank you. All right. You guys can stay up here. Ali, can I get you just a podium? What a challenging space in, in, the, in the high school system. I know a lot of we've got other teachers here in Christian schools. You've, just because it's a Christian school doesn't mean you don't face the same situations, and I'm sure you'd agree with that, with, with, with us in that space. But uh, we want to pray for. Uh, actually, Jody, can we get. You, you don't need to come up, but Pam, can you just put your hand in Jody? Jody's working at Kahiba. I know you don't come up. Stay there. We're not going to embarrass you. Stay there. Chill out. But we're going to pray for you as well because you're rolling Kahiba. And, uh, and uh, we've got met the new chaplain down at Kahiba. And uh, it's exciting to have God's placing. You, God's uniquely placed you there, Jody. What you do there is significant. Okay, it's significant. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for... Um, uh, for, for Ben and for Mel and for Jody, Lord, I just thank you for their willingness to step uh, and, and to bring what you've done in them into the workplace uh, and to speak life and, and love over people, uh, but also to, to work on computers and make coffee and make food and what seems rather ordinary, whatever we eat or drink or whatever they do, that they do it for the glory of God. And so, Lord, we just pray that as they continue to step in that space and stand in the gap and to be a beacon of light in dark places, Lord, we just thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for freedom. We thank you that lives have already been changed uh, because of their faithfulness to say yes to you. And we just pray, uh, and I just thank you for all the prophetic words that have spoken over Ben in our prayer meeting. Lord, we just say amen to that. Lord, we pray for breakthrough. We pray that, uh, that your kingdom would come in a greater way in that school, that Jesus would be made famous. Amen. 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 Let's give these guys a big hand. I've just got very two quick things to finish up on. As I said, I know many people in our church family are going to interview and talk about what they do and where they do it. And uh, I'm going to close with a story. And uh, the story is how many, how many people like classical music? You can put your hand up. We're not going to. We're not going to. Okay. So can we get the slide up? Thanks there, Heath. Okay. Who is that? Whose signature is that? Bach. Okay, so uh, but Bach wrote over a thousand pieces of music. And uh, if you notice, he, he wrote his name down the bottom, but he also signed off with a bit of a squiggle. Can we just. Yeah. So that, that, that is three letters. Who can tell me what those letters are? Sorry, <laughs> There you go, you can all read it. So. What, what Bach did in his music that he wrote, one of the most prolific, transforming people in the realm of music, he would write, on some of his pieces, he'd write, for glory of God alone. And, and the thought, and I, I stole this thought, and I didn't come up with this, so don't, well, that's amazing. It's not, but I stole it. Um, but it is amazing. Um, that when you think about it, most of his music had no lyrics. Some didn't write the lyrics, he didn't partner with people with lyrics, but on the whole his music didn't have lyrics. But when you, when you listen to something composed by Bach, 
there's something that, that, that can awaken and something we watched the we watched the Van Gogh exhibition a little while a couple of weeks ago and I asked Phoebe, what's this amazing piece of music? And Phoebe told me it was bad. You know, but but there's something that stirs in you. So when you listen to some of the music, something can awaken in you. Something can then come alive in you as you as you start to experience uh, what Bach did without words. And so, we've got some great musicians here, but I don't think any of us are yet at the level of Bach. Almost, but not quite. Um, But but could it be? Could, could, could we make a difference, no matter how small a job we do? What, what, what if our lives, our, our work, our studies, our, our recreation, our activities, our, our athleticism, the things we do, what if we could do those little things and the big things for the glory of God alone? Do you reckon that can make it? Do you reckon that can make a difference in your world? Whatever you do. It doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be a concerto, doesn't have to be, it can just be if you just say, God, I want to do this to bring glory to you. Do you believe that can make a difference? I believe that. I'm going to pray that over us. So Father God, I do thank you for story. The story of scripture that, that tells of Jesus and tells of the ability for us to know you through him. And Lord, I want to pray for our, our church family. Lord, as we, as we contemplate where we fit in life and what we study and what we do and, and how, what we do in our rest time and our play time and our, on our Sundays and our Mondays, Lord, I pray that each one of us could, could maybe have a greater understanding of what maybe Bach did and that whatever we do, that we can do for the glory of you alone. With words or without words that our life would be so bright and so, so significant, so, so weighty that, that, that perhaps the glory, your kavod, can be seen in us and that people come and ask us what it is that makes us so different. different. And Lord we, Jesus, we know that's only you. And so I pray you help us as a church to understand wherever we go, whatever we do, that you are with us and that you are wanting to burst forth out of us that we can show others your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you for your time this morning. Thanks for the guys at home for watching. Uh, we are going to call it a wrap. If you're here this morning and you'd like some prayer, we do have people that are available to pray for you. Whatever your need is to stand with you, pray with you, declare God's goodness over you. Don't forget, help desk, women's event, men's event, and also, Ben, you're welcome to hang out in the help desk and you can have a chat to Ben and ask him for the tips on how to stretch the milk the best for your latte. <laughs> All right, God bless. See ya.